0: it up here. First service, I didn't make it up here in time. I was still doing stuff, but here we go. Well, as you may or may not know, we are continuing our series this week entitled Back to the Start, like the little video said, and I have to say I liked what Tony said last week. Who remembers? Does anyone remember what he said? What was it? A lot. lot. Yeah, he said a lot, but one of the things I really liked that he dialed in on was this is Back to the Start and Back to the Heart, Really, our heart in all of these manners of why we do things is what is really the start of all of those things. Does anybody remember him saying that? Yeah, back to the start, back to the heart. So often, God tells Israel in the Old Testament to remember. And I think we are the same way. We need to be constantly reminded of these truths that we maybe have known at one point, but then forgotten. We need to go back to the start and back to the heart. So today we're going to be talking about why we sing. Now I had to laugh in the last uh, couple of weeks, I was talking with Pastor Dow and he's like, this is a, a softball sermon. He's like, it's just a real juicy, over the plate. He's like, you should just hit it out of the park with this one. It's so easy. And I have to disagree. I think this is one of the hardest ones that I've had to do. You know, I said, give me a Bible verse any day and I'll just try and say what I think it says. Um, but I think it's a lot harder to kind of get a topic. So I will do my best to try not to just share with you my opinion because it's just my opinion so whatever so hopefully this is not just my opinion hopefully it is uh what god says and what he would have and that is the authority that i have to uh say these things so why do we sing why did we start the service with some singing why do we do all of this stuff well first of all i think the answer is because god commands it psalm 96 1 and 2 says oh sing to the lord a new song sing to the lord all the earth sing to the lord bless his name tell of his salvation from day to day psalm 149 says praise the lord sing to the lord a new song his praise in the assembly of the godly now i think it's great that uh this kind of what pastor dell talked about as why we gather i think plays directly into this why we sing we can see that we're supposed to sing to the lord praise his name in the assembly of the godly and that's all of us right now. We are assembled, we are God's godly, and we should sing praise to him. Ephesians 5:19 says, "Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord." Colossians 3:16 says, "Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts." So, there you go, the end. We should do it because God says so, right? Right, yeah, exactly. I think the same way when I was a kid, you know, I'd be like, why do I have to go to school? And my mom would say, because I said so. Or I'd be, why do I have to do this? Because I said so. I think a lot of times that because he says so doesn't really uh, convince us very well. Although, if we were going to listen to anyone because he says so, I think God should be the one that we should listen to. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray. God, I pray that you would just uh, ultimately be the one that speaks forth through my mouth, that this would not be uh, my own words, God, but that I would just be your mouthpiece to say your truths. I pray, God, that you would help us to have a realization of what you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ, that we would be So in tune with that grace, God, that we would trust you and that we would do what you say. We would recognize that it is good for us. So I pray, God, that you would give us open hearts and ears and minds, that you could fill us all up with your word and your truth, realign the way we see things to be the way that you see things. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So preparing for this sermon, I thought that there's probably two camps of people here, which is those of you that really like to sing, and those of you that don't really like to sing at all. Now, it might be easy to think that I'm the most qualified, somehow, to give this sermon on why we sing, because I'm the one who's usually up here every week singing the loudest and the director of worship, but I don't think that qualifies me any more than if I didn't like to sing at all. Now, I think it's funny how probably it takes more commitment and trust to God if it's something that we don't want to do anyways. So I really like to sing. If God didn't command us to sing, if we weren't doing worship, any of these things, I would sing anyways, which means it's way easier for me to do it for my own desire or will rather than because God wants us to or to his worship. So I would just say it means a lot more, I think, if singing is not your uh, forte or something you would ever normally do to sing for God. Just like if there are things that I would never wanna do on my own will, but that I do those for God. I think that's more uh, pleasing to him. So why do we sing? What is the point? Well, to answer to this first question, let's look at some of the reasons uh, why God wants us to sing. So first up, I think it is to encourage one another. Now, I just want to ask, did anyone feel encouraged here this morning as we sang the worship set? We got some of them. Yeah. So there you go, the end. That's the reason. (laughs) I think it's amazing to me just the encouragement it is to gather together and to lift God praise up in one voice and unity to Him. Now, I know those of us up here— Are a lot of times in the thick of it so we get here earlier trying to do stuff you know there's cables that don't work computers that need restarting we're just trying to figure out how to not have a song fall apart sometimes and it's really rough and i would say the funny thing that happens with that oftentimes is the rougher it is up here and the more things just seem to get crazy and then church starts and those songs that seem the most rough oftentimes seem to be the ones that minister at least to me and i think to other people the most so what happened what is that i think the biggest piece is that all of you the largest instrument in this room weren't here at rehearsal you guys came in and you added your beautiful voices to what we were doing for all of your respective reasons i think this is a little bit off topic but i think it's the same vein of that that we all as a staff are not the church we all as a staff do not put on church for you to just come and be a part of it I really like Greg Jackson is our facilities director or facilities manager. He makes sure all the buildings have lights and power and work and heat and all of those things. And I think really all of us are just directors of our various ministries that we facilitate. So I just come in here and try and make sure all the sound works. We play the music and time and beat and all that. I'm just trying to facilitate worship for all of us to take part in, the singing. It's not us putting it on for you, it's all of us together, um, really just building an environment. In the same way if Greg uh, didn't fix the heat in here, we'd have some cold worship Sundays. If uh, I'm really just facilitating the worship so we can have some songs for all of us to enter into worship. Now in that vein, I would say, uh, does anyone have small kids here? A couple, we got a couple of small kids. So the funny thing about small kids is, uh, Last year, we had our prayer nights, and I would usually work here, and I would come straight home just for dinner. Now, in our house, we have kind of this joke which dinner is the witching hour with our tiny children. For some reason, it seems like when the sun starts going down, they become different children. They get really squirrely. They start crying a whole bunch more than normal. (laughs) Everything starts falling apart. It's like this crazy, hectic time in the house. So I come home, we're trying to just survive, play man-to-man defense, me and my wife, and get food into people that don't want to eat food for some reason, except for goldfish or whatever it is. But So it's crazy, and then I look at my wife, who I love, in the eyes, and I say, good luck, I'm going to go to the prayer night. You're on your own to put these kids to bed. So I peace out, come here, stroll in, just as it's starting, sit down, and I play, and I'll admit, I'm just doing the thing. I'm just doing the song, tuning in. And it's funny to me how in that moment, that one night, it was, you know, people, somebody was like crying about how much the music touched them. And someone else was praying and I almost started crying about their prayer touching me. And I would say in that moment, my goal would always be, as I'm leading worship here, that I would be a full cup. And I can be full of God's spirit and I can pour it all out on top of you guys. But that's not always the case. And I would say that night I was just... Thankfully, God used me as just a pipe, and I didn't know the water he was going to pour into people was flowing through me. I was just there as a pipe playing the piano. So I think we never know what God will do and use through us, but it's just encouraging when we don't have to do these things alone. We can come together, and we can sing, and we can each kind of add our piece into this puzzle of lifting God up together. That's why I think so closely tied to singing is this gathering together as God's people. No matter what your morning has been like, this is certainly true here, whether it's your day, your week, your year, your life, um, people trying to get here for all different reasons, I think there's something encouraging about us gathering together and focusing on praise to God and singing to Him. The reason I think it's really important to sing to God is to remember. So now if I say, Seven, seven, three, two, oh, two. Yeah, what is it? It's Luna, yeah, why do you know that? That's weird, huh, right? Just that singing. If I said, say the alphabet, can anyone say the alphabet? Yeah, no, you're not saying it. you're singing it. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. We all sing these things. When we sing, it gets ingrained in our head. It's a mnemonic device that really burns into things. Now, if I ask anyone, what is Romans 8, 31? Anyone know? Romans 8 31. What if I sing it? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? Yeah. What if I said Psalm 156? Does anyone know what Psalm 156 is? I bet you. It's let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. These are all scriptures that we sing all the time here. Isaiah 40 28. Anyone know it? You are the everlasting God. You do not faint. You won't grow weary. How about Lamentations 3, 22, 23? Does anyone know it? I bet you do. You're starting to catch on. You know that you know it, but you don't really know what it is. Lamentations 3, 22, 23 is morning by morning, morning by morning, new mercies I see. Yeah, great is thy faithfulness. Isaiah 6, 3, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Yeah, how about Job 1, 21? Does anyone know Job 1, 21? This is when the first service was like, can you give us some hints at least? or things? And I said, the hint is it's Job. What did Job do? He had everything taken away. It's you give and take away, you give and take away, you give and take away, but still my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Yeah, how about this one? This is an easy one, John 3, 16. Do you guys know that one? Yeah, you probably know it without singing, actually, but we can sing it all the time up here. For God so loved the world that he gave us. It's amazing that you probably know more scripture than you think you do. It's in there. Just like all those jingles, all those songs, they're in there. I have to laugh, when I was kinda going through this, I thought of uh, our son Andrew loves these truck tunes. Has anyone heard of truck tunes? No, you should watch them, I recommend them. They're pretty good. We watch truck tunes every day at least, it seems like. (laughs) But they're these great songs about all kinds of construction trucks and things and what they do, but the songs, I won't even sing them because once they get in there, they never come out and you'll never forget them. So there's a story in Deuteronomy 31. And this is getting towards the end of Moses's life and ministry, and God tells Moses to start building up Joshua to take over for Moses. So it says, Joshua and Moses go into the meeting place, and God shows up as a pillar of cloud. I have to admit, when I first read that, I was like, I don't know if it's because pillar kind of sounds like pillow or something, but I was thinking of this just like white fluffy pole. God shows up as a pillar of cloud. But then as I was thinking about it more, I was thinking, no, a pillar of cloud as I know it, right, would be like a tornado. I feel like a tornado is what we would think of that actually happened. So I don't know if he showed up as a white fluffy cloud or as a roaring tornado, but it says here, verse thirty one, or Deuteronomy thirty-one, verse nineteen. God says, Now therefore write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. And I have to laugh, there's some times that I've, I've taken years and years to write songs, and they're still not done, but basically God tells Moses what the song should be about, and then it says in verse 22, so Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the people of Israel. <laughs> I guess if God showed up as a tornado and was like, look, you better write this song, I probably would do it the same day too. I don't think I would procrastinate on that at all, But so, um, it's really great. In Deuteronomy 32, Moses goes through what this song is. Uh, It's really a song of kind of telling Israel to remember what God has done and not forget it and who he is. But uh, after Moses sings this whole song to the people, he says, Deuteronomy 32, verse 46, "...take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, and that they may be careful to do all the words of this law." for it is no empty word for you, but your very life. I think that's really the motto of what we try to do here, uh, worship and sing at Grove: is to not just have it be empty words that we sing, but really things we take to heart that are our very lives. We don't just want to sing the words to the songs, but take them to heart. It's not empty words, but your very life. This is an aspect of worship leading that I take very seriously. Let's say on any given Sunday, a normal Sunday here, we usually play about four songs up front for the worship set, and we usually play a closing song at the end. So it's about five songs, let's say five minutes a piece, just to be simple there. So we get 25 minutes that we usually spend singing to God. Now those 25 minutes are a little bit shorter than the sermon, although maybe you only pay attention for like 25 minutes, right? So I think that just tells you the importance that we put on worship and singing because it takes up as much time as we do preaching God's word. Now, I don't want to minimize preaching God's word at all, but I think in one sense, it's easy for preaching to be do what I say. This is what I'm saying right now. Just do it. Do what I say. I think singing has the potential to be more of a do what I do. Now, the problem is if we just sing empty words and don't take them to heart, then that singing can just be sing what I say, and it's not really what we do, but I think when we sing from a place of singing solid, encouraging Bible truths that God has laid on our heart, then it really is a, this is what God has done, this is what I am doing, I am singing and praising God, and it's not just a do what I say, it's a sing what I do. Now, I don't want us as a church to just say, do these things, say, walk the straight and narrow path, but then what we sing is, I'm on the highway to hell. I think it's so easy for us to fall into that. Yes, this is what I know. This is what I'll say. But the way I live is something completely different. Now, it's always kind of a, I don't want to say a rub. I don't, it's just something I kind of take note of. But there are oftentimes, as a worship team that we're rehearsing, either on Thursday or Sunday morning or something, and we'll finish the song and it'll end up going right into something else, either. Uh, trying to think now, but you know, some ACDC, some Led Zeppelin song, Gary I'll kick us off into some song. And it seems like the amount of fun that we start having just gets a lot more, right? We start having fun instead of doing this worship. And I think it to me it's it's a, it's a rub in a way where I'm like, I don't want worship to be less fun. I think that leading worship for God's people and singing is very important which means I think when something is important, it naturally becomes a little more serious. But I hope in one sense that the important responsibility we have to sing and worship God doesn't make it less fun. I think there are times we can view a lot of things in Christianity this way, where rules or things make it less fun. And I had this thought on this this morning where my brother-in-law's kind of just started getting into uh, racing, automobile racing. So he does spec Miata. Does anyone know what spec Miata racing is? Yeah. So they take a Mazda Miata, and you're not allowed to do anything to it to make it like better or faster. So they can't change stuff, the engine or this or that or whatever. But what they do is they completely strip the entire car, and they build in a full harness, a roll cage, all kinds of other safety stuff. You wear a helmet, a neck brace, the whole deal. Fire suit, Now, it's funny to me, I would say it'd be easy to think all that stuff makes racing less fun, but I would say it's probably less fun to race without any of that safety stuff in place. It certainly would be probably after the first time that you did (laughs) it. So just like the safety stuff, just like the helmet, the fire suit, the uh, roll cage doesn't make racing less fun. I think the responsibility that we have towards music, towards Christianity, towards all these rules, as you would call them, don't make life less fun. It makes it more fun, honestly. I think it's hard for me uh, sometimes to appreciate that, where you just feel like, okay, here's the serious thing, here's the more fun and whatnot, but I think God really has what is more fun for us in mind. He has our best interests in mind when he's doing things. I remember when I graduated from college, one of my kind of big hang-ups was this, "I'll, I'll surrender most of my life to God. Not all of my life, but just like most of it. But I had this fear that if I surrendered all of my life, God would tell me to pack up and ship me off to some country and I'd be a missionary or something like that. But really my fear was my pride that If I gave God my life, it was gonna be worse somehow. That I could rule my own life better than He could. So I wasn't gonna say, God, I surrender everything to you because then you're gonna like make my life worse. But really nothing could be further from the truth. He has our best interests in mind. He wants for it. And sometimes I can't understand how pain, how suffering, how these things would make my life better. But ultimately, I think that's a trust to know that God is smarter than me. He knows these things more than I do, and that life is really better and more fun in the end when we follow his rules, so to speak. But really, it's not about his rules, it's about relationship and love to him. Which I think is the main, this is my main point that I wanna dial in on here with this, why we sing. And I think it is to declare the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Do we have any fans of The Office in here? Does anyone like The Office? I like The Office. There's an Office episode where uh, Steve Carell, Michael Scott, the boss, he's having money problems. So he's talking to his friend, uh, Oscar, and he says, I really don't see a way that you can get out of these money problems unless you declare bankruptcy. So he walks out into the office and he just says, I declare bankruptcy! <laughs> and he yells it. And the, the guy looks at him and he's like, well, you can't just say it. It doesn't do anything to just say He says, I didn't just say it. I declared it. I declared Bingham C. (laughs) I think in a way there are times maybe we just say what we are singing, but we really want to declare it with our whole hearts and actually make a point of doing that. Now I'm going to pick on some of you guys that don't usually like to sing, because I bet if you come in here and you mumble, there are times that you sing. And I know there are people that probably come in here and they say, oh, praise God, praise God. But then if you're at a wedding... And Sweet Caroline comes on, I guarantee you, Sweet Caroline, and you all join in, ba, ba, ba. You go for it, you go for it with all your heart and mind. I think it's the same way if we're at a baseball game, you got that seventh inning, right? You stand up and you sing, no one's thinking, well, this key isn't very good for me, or this song has kind of been overdone, or I have a bad singing voice. No, you all sing it out, seventh inning, take me out to the ball game, right? We have a great time. I think it's the same way if baseball's not your thing. If you're into soccer, I love how they all, they get so into it. They're like, ole, 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 ole. They're, with all their heart, they're leaving everything out there. There's nothing holding back in the worship, so to speak, and singing with that. Now, maybe that's just the alcohol in those situations, or maybe it isn't. I don't think it's any accident That first uh, little part that I read earlier of Ephesians is Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. Verse 18 starts, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. I don't think there's any accident there that he basically says, Don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. I think in one sense, to anyone looking on the outside, sometimes those things look the same. Being drunk and having kind of a a little bit looser, maybe a little more uh, with our things, but instead of that being alcohol, because what is that? We should have that for God and his spirit and what he's done for us and have some exuberance when we sing. I love this story in uh, Acts 2. This is Acts 2, 13 and 14. It says, the Holy Spirit comes down at Pentecost And uh, all of the believers and disciples and people, they're speaking in tongues. And it says, people watching from the outside, in verse 13, they say, some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. So they observed these Christians worshiping, and they said, well, they've just had too much wine. And Peter addresses the crowd, and he says he stood up to leaven, raised his voice, and addressed the cloud, and said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and listen carefully to what I have to say. So he wasn't drunk, he was completely sober. And what he basically then says is, we're not drunk, it's only nine in the morning. We are drunk on Jesus and his good news and what he is doing. I think it's amazing that it looks the same somehow. That exuberance that you would sing Sweet Caroline at a wedding with maybe a few drinks is what they would have on a Sunday morning singing praise for what Jesus Christ has done to them. Now I think it's funny, has anyone ever had someone uh, like recommend a movie to them? Yeah. Have you ever had anyone recommend a movie to you and it's kind of like lackluster? Like they're just like, oh yeah, I saw this movie the other week. And you're like, yeah, is it good? Should I watch it? And they're like, "Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I've never watched one of those movies that anyone has said that about. Because I'm like, why would I bother? In a way, we want, I don't want to see some movie that someone saw that was okay last week. I want to see the best movie you've ever seen. And where your passion says, no, you've got to see this movie. It's amazing. I think that enthusiasm is contagious. We would say, yeah, I gotta see this movie, or otherwise I'm missing out. I think for those of us that call Jesus Christ Lord, who recognize that we were dead, but Christ came and paid for our sin, died our death, rose from the dead, conquering death once and for all, for us, we have experienced the greatest thing to ever have happened. It should be the best movie we've ever seen, and our enthusiasm for Christ should be so contagious. It should be the greatest comeback in sports. It should be the most amazing thing that gives us passion when we talk about it. Now, I could give a whole other sermon on King David and how he worshipped. So buckle up for that. We're going to be here a while. Yeah, no, I was just going to mention it. But there are so many amazing stories in the Bible of how David worshipped and his passion for God. But there's one in Second Samuel where David danced so hard in praise to God that his clothes literally fell off. Now, I don't, I don't know why I didn't see any of you this morning during our worship dance hard that his clothes fell off. But I think it's, there's one main takeaway that I can take away from this story, and that is that David was not afraid to look foolish in front of other people in worship to his God. Now, it says in that story that Michelle says to David how it's shameful and disgraceful that his worship would basically reveal himself and all this. And he has this response that is, my worship is not for other people. It is not for men to see my worship is for God and God alone. Amen. Now what if on a Sunday we sang and praised God so fervently that anyone looking on would almost laugh and say we were drunk, but like Peter we would be completely sober and could directly tell them that it's not alcohol, it's Jesus Christ. If God has saved your soul, don't be afraid of what other people think about your worship. Don't keep your hands in your pockets because people will think you're weird if you raise your hands. But also don't raise your hands and dance because you think people will think you worship because you're flailing about or your clothes are coming off. I think the important key of that story is that it is for and to God alone. That is why we sing. That is why we worship. Either way, if you're worried about what people think, if you're either too joyful or not joyful enough, you're worried about it for the wrong reasons. I'm worried about what people think either way, and I should not think about what people think. I should be thinking about what God thinks. Amen. Now, as longer and longer that I do this, um, this is kind of my, I don't want to say life verse. It's like the opposite of a life verse, like the verse that you're like afraid of. This is Matthew 15, 8. It says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Now, as the, like I said, the longer I do this, it seems like the more I flap my lips up here, For God, the more I worry that my heart is far from Him. Now, I have this kind of stiff necked, stubborn thing where if the worship leader says, All right, everyone, join in, let's clap your hands for God, then I'm kind of like, Well, I would clap my hands for God, but now I'm just going to clap them because you asked me to. So I don't know if I can do it now because really I'm just doing it for other people. Instead, I get all up in my own mind and things and get distracted with it. And that's really what I want us to get at, is just like David wasn't afraid to look foolish in front of other people, because he was worshiping God, we should not be afraid to look foolish or sing or any of those things if we are truly worshiping God and him alone. I think just like all of the topics in this series, back to the start and back to the heart. I pray that we would be a church whose hearts are so in tune with the gift of grace that Jesus Christ has given us that we can't help but sing. Even if the kids don't sleep, even if the car breaks down, even if people are watching, even if we're too afraid, if we're tired, or we're hungry, or we're annoyed, or we don't like these songs, or the style isn't what I want, or the band's dragging too slow, any excuses that we could come up with should not keep us from singing the amazing grace that Jesus has given us. Those are all temporary things that might take away our happiness, but the reality of Jesus Christ and what he has done always gives us constant joy and hope. Now this is maybe one little, I don't know, a footnote here, but Psalm 33, 1-3 to 3 says, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. Now I think there is some necessity of skill when it comes to putting on any of these things for the Lord. Just like if Greg couldn't fix this building at all, or the heat, then we'd have some cold worship services. If Gary couldn't keep time at all, or play a beat, we'd probably have a hard time joining together in worshiping in song. But Psalm 33 says, sing joyfully, praise him, praise the Lord, make music, sing to him, play skillfully, and shout for joy. There are seven commands to praise him in just that passage, and there's only one of them that says skillfully. So I don't want to diminish the skill it takes to put on some of these things, but I think really God cares about our heart and us singing way more than the skill that we would have. I think if I had a billion dollars and I came in and I dropped ten dollars into that plate, I don't think God would be too pleased because I have not sacrificed literally anything. I think in that same vein, if I have the best singing voice in the world, and I sing an amazing song, and everyone stands up and claps and gives me an ovation, it probably didn't really sacrifice anything for me. It really didn't give praise and honor to God, because it's just what I would do. But if I sound like an absolute dog, and I howl with my voice so horribly, but I am on fire for God and what he has done in my life, that I howl, that dog howl, with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength, sacrificing me my own image, what people would think, my pride, just to look foolish for God and sing to him praises, then I know that that sacrifice will be pleasing to the Lord. There's no shortage of examples of ways that God has looked foolish for us in the Bible. One of my favorite is uh, the story of the prodigal son, where when the son comes back, the father hikes up his pants and runs out to meet him. Which, especially in that culture and all those things, that was a big no-no. Grown men did not just hike around with their legs showing. um, Completely undignified, foolish in many ways, but God is willing to do that for us. He has made himself look so foolish in being like, you know what? I don't want to be God. I want to be God and cram all of that into just a human being who can humble himself into this world to fulfill the purpose of dying for our sin. being raised again for us. What a crazy thing. How foolish would that be if we were really to think about it? But God is willing to look foolish for us. We should be willing to look foolish for him. So don't worry about your voice. Worry about your song, which is the testimony of God's good work in your life, the gospel, his good news. Your voice is temporary, my voice could be here, gone tomorrow. I could crack a note. I could sing bad or good or any of those things. But the song of who God is and what he has done is eternal. It will never end. Now, music styles come and go. The way we do things, preferences, they all seem to just tear us apart. Whether this should be the time of service, how long we sing, whether it should be a hymn, anything we do, all of those seem to just get at our opinions But the truth be that we need to take full advantage of the unity of singing that God has given us by singing that song of what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. The truth is, for all of us that call Jesus Lord, that we were lost and now we are found. We were blind and now we see. Amen. I feel like that is the reason why we sing, but I don't want to make the assumption right there which is that all of that applies to those of us that call Jesus Christ Lord. I think that that is not necessarily everyone. If you're missing out on saying, God, you know what? I accept the gift of grace that you have given us through Jesus Christ, then I just invite you to uh, do that now. We have this amazing t- opportunity. Soon we're going to do a communion here together as a church, and I think that's really the first day of the rest of your life here. I know myself have sinned. There's things I wish I could take back um, even this week, but this is our fresh start. This is us coming to God and saying, I give you my life, I surrender to you, and he will be faithful in coming through with all his promises and restoring our life. So I would just invite all of us to take that seriously. Take this opportunity, whether it's the first time you've done it, whether it's the millionth time, it doesn't matter. We are broken people. We are vessels, jars of clay that leak out God's grace, and we need to be constantly poured back into to be filled up by him. So we want to do that through our singing, through encouraging one another, through knowing his word. We need to constantly be reminded and remember these things that God has done. I want to just close here with reading Psalm 103. I think this is an amazing picture of this praise to God for what he has done for us and why we should praise him in that. And then, amazingly, this Psalm 103, we're going to sing after all of these things. This is Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities." For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone, and it places and its place remembers it no more. From the everlasting to the everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word, Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Amen. Let us pray. God, we just recognize, uh, hopefully afresh and new, since we need to do that every day, the amazing gift of grace through your Son, Jesus Christ. We recognize that it is not just something in part, but it is really all there is. It is not just good news or some good news, but it is the greatest news of all time. We recognize that though we were dead in our sins, you did not make us pay that price for sin, but you came through your Son, Jesus Christ, to pay it for us, God. We recognize that that is so amazing. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we Forget that. We are forgetful people. We go back to our old ways. We see things the way we want to see things, God, but I pray that you would help us have new revelation of what you have done, who you are, and who you say you are, God. I pray that you would help us have hearts that are so full of that truth of the gift of grace through your Son, Jesus Christ, that we can't help but sing out, that it's the best story that we can tell, so we share it out with you, God that it comes forth from every bit of our being, not on purpose as a show, God, not so that we can say we're full of this, but that it would really be a place where we are full, and that it exudes from you and through you for your praise and glory alone, God. I pray for everyone here that if they have not received that gift of grace through your son Jesus Christ, that they would do so right now. I pray that we are all missing out when we don't live in that full truth, whether it's the first time or the last time, God, that we ever turn back to you. Recognize that we are missing out on something when we don't dial in on this truth and this reality of what you have said, God. So help us to live fully in that light. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.